everyone. Hello, everyone here. How are you guys doing? We're good. Hello, Amber. Hello, Amber. Amber. Amber's in front of the, the screen today yeah. instead of behind. I usually sit over there. And she likes sitting over there. She I does do like not want to sit here. But she's sitting here with off. us. We shout off. Amber. Look this look up. This up. <laughs> <laughs> Much more comfortable on the Google. But Amber has a lot to tell us, so that's yes. why she's here today. Welcome to Afterlives with Kara Cooney, in which we discuss ancient Egyptian history and relevant current events that we think will be of interest to our audience. I am Kara Cooney, and I'm a professor of Egyptology at UCLA. This podcast is separate from my teaching and research roles at UCLA. In recent years, I've become active in communicating with the general public about the history of ancient Egypt through lectures, interviews, social media, books, and guest appearances. This podcast is my opportunity to take the kinds of deep dives into history that are not always possible in academic formats. Yeah, so what are we talking about today? We're, we're doing a little alt-ac, so mm -hmm. alternative academia, jobs, and by uh, having Amber here, we're, we're making it more personal. Mm -hmm. It's a more um, deep dive, if you will. Instead of having multiple possibilities, we have one person's life that has been a very interesting mm -hmm. alt-ac journey. It's been alt-alt-ac. It's, <laughs> it's good. Alt-alt-ac. Alt, alt, and um, yeah, and it involves all kinds of twists and turns and things you can't prepare for. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of alt-ac... Uh, discussions tend to be overly curated as if one can curate their life yep. rather it's than planned. Perhaps. No, you've got to make all dac about when you get hit in the face with a decision by somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, something that rains down from heaven, like a pandemic, all kinds of weird shit. The great happened. recession, the great yeah. recession, oh, which is what yeah, happened yeah. to you. Uh, the Getty deciding to deep six their entire education yes. force. The, yeah. Amber's been hit by a lot of these <laughs> She's a black guy. Yeah, yeah. No, um, but perhaps we should tell the people who I am. Yes. So, <laughs> well, first, Amber is the wind beneath my wings. I'm the uh, the Etta Candy to your Wonder Woman. Ooh. <laughs> the Alfred to your Batman. <laughs> I love it. It's true. She is the Alfred to my Batman. Um, Amber helps to schedule me. She helps I me have make her sure a bio. Oh, do yeah, that. I, do I, that. I, do I, that. I told do that. I told Jordan who I am. So we're good. Okay, I let's do that. We'll read the official bio. Amber is the director of operations for Patina Productions, which is all of this here. So AKA fancy. Kara. AKA Kara. Kara <laughs> well, at all. Yeah, Kara <laughs> at all. Kara Altak. Kara Altak. Yes, that's Patina it's Kara, Productions. Patina Productions is Kara Altak. Right, a production company of experts yeah. of working on ancient history, consulting services. Mm -hmm. We're in LA. Yeah. Right, we got to work, work that. Um, Amber, after earning her MA in Near Eastern Languages and Cultures with a specialization in Egyptology yep. from UCLA, right? She began her career in 2005 at LACMA. So you did yep. some a, a good bit of work at LACMA, working on the Tud exhibit there, assistant to the curators, and then you moved to the Getty. Yep. And then worked there in their education department starting in 2007 serving as a museum educator for five years, mm -hmm. um, facilitating, you know, building and creating educational and academic programs for the diverse audiences for the Getty Villa. Then you, in 2013, started working for Art Muse Los Angeles. Yep. So if that's 
that offers private tours to small groups at a variety of museums around Los Angeles, mm -hmm. um, focusing on ancient Mediterranean, archaeology. Yeah, that was my Egypt. focus. Yeah, yeah and they, they do everything. Yeah. 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 So that's really cool. And then 2016, Patina Productions. And now you're here. 16 Kara grabbed me. <laughs> I was like, come to me. Come to me. Dragged me into you the... You need to be here. Into the sarcophagus, the coffin. But now we have a production company instead of you having some weird, like, I work for that. It's true. Yeah, title. it was very hard to explain what I did prior to the formation of Patina Productions. So yeah. for that alone, I have something to put on all those doctor's forms or said, who's your employer? That's yeah, true. yeah. <laughs> that was awkward. Let me... No. What do I say? I can't say self-employed, no. but yeah. So um, these are, obviously, yeah, Alt-Act includes all these kind of varieties yeah. of job and job opportunities that maybe not are non-traditional, right? That yes. you don't work for a company or a business, per se, but yes. these other avenues. And can I, can I jump in yes. before you do your next thing? Which, and just reading her bio mm -hmm. and making me think about it all made me want to put in a phrase that I hope will haunt this entire mm -hmm. episode, which is whom you know. Yes. Because connections and networks to other people. Yeah. As much not, as people hate that. As much as people hate that and not applications for things blind or other things, yeah. but whom you know is probably the most important thing in any alt app conversation. Yeah. It's the it's the way of the world. None of the, I think, none of the jobs I, I, I think, got. honestly, it's a, not just alt act. It's everything. It makes it's the true. world go around. It's true, yeah. For any job. None market, of the jobs it's I've all ever about gotten, you know. I've but let me just cold. say in academia, yeah. sometimes whom you know doesn't help yeah. or they're going to... Or it can, 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 can hinder you, yeah, <laughs> in so many cases, right? It's such a small community, too. Everyone, oh, gossip and can make it worse, yeah. So before we get into alt act. Mm -hmm. for sure or you know what's your academic trajectory trajectory yeah you know undergrad you wanted to be an Egyptologist focus in on Egypt well what was the kind of career plans I mean initially in previous episodes you two both discussed yeah. like it starts really way before that yeah. yeah very young like I was the uh, 11 to 12 year old with a subscription to biblical archaeology yeah. review oh really archaeology <laughs> chemet you know yeah. all, yep, those, all those all those magazines still around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, started young, like you know, dead things, dinosaurs, yep. yeah, Egypt, obviously natural ancient, ancient. progression. Um, but it really like just the idea that Egyptology was a thing or that you could do it for a living. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of met my fate one day in a Walden books. At the Cross County Mall. Walden books at the mall. <gasps> yeah, because who did I come across? You're on too the young to bookshelf. remember this. But yeah, Walden books. Sorry, I've just dated myself. Oh, yes. Um but I'm I came across. You. They existed when I was when I was little. They did. Really? Well, they were going out of business. Me. They were going out of business. But yeah, yeah around the time you were born, Maybe. I went okay. to a Walden yeah. books. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And I encountered uh, the Mummy Case by Elizabeth Peters. I yes. love her books. Uh, yes, also, I'm I planning do too. a reread, and I think yeah. it will. Bring me back. Maybe we should do some episodes <gasps> Wait, because you, like you have. Book? I have never. Wait, you have read the them. Peabody fan. So if right I, here. And I have <laughs> never and read, read them. them, and we can do both. I have never. I don't read know that them. we can make her read them. I, but you we could, could try. We could help. We could, yeah. We, we could, could try. Or maybe it'd be kind yeah. of fun if you, as someone who didn't read them, just like offer some perspective. Or you stuff. give me homework, or I do. I I just do audiobooks and I oh so the audiobooks yeah are great. And Barbara Rosenblatt is great. The Fine. So, be fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and the then I could be the fantastic. idiot going, oh, I didn't yeah. know this or, like, or that. Or like, you will love them. 
I've met Barbara or Marks, I too. Will I've quit met her. <laughs> yeah, right. That could be really fun. No, Aww. but but yeah. So okay, well, do, let us know do, if you guys Egypt, are interested. Egypt, in this. Yes, if you guys want Amelia P.Y. episodes, Jordan and I are there. Yeah, so <laughs> we'll just do them on the side. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll just do it for yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> but you, um, that would be good too. I love that. I'd be yeah. fine with. It. I could take a yeah. break, peace out yeah. for a while. But no, Elizabeth Peters, aka Barbara Mertz, who is also an Egyptologist, who got mm -hmm. her Chicago? PhD from. Chicago. I remember when I found her PhD yeah. in the book stacks. Oh, you found I, it when I was there. Were you I super was like, excited? And I was like, oh, <laughs> what's yeah. the topic? Uh, it was, it was Queens, right? Yes, she wrote uh, on Queens. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Like another Egyptologist, yeah. you know. Shut up. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I found the mummy case, and that really sucked me in because all of a sudden I saw this word, Egyptologist. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, wait, <laughs> uh, what do we have here? So I dove into that, which led to all things. If you've read Elizabeth Peters, like you can get into all sorts of obscura through yeah. that. Um, but then went into high school with a definite interest in archaeology and, um, and Egyptology in particular. By the time I was an undergraduate uh, at Southern Illinois University at Wordsville, I went in actually as an English major hmm. uh, with a minor in history. Um, which, did looking they have back on it, kind of ancient studies? They did not have classics, anything that specific. Even, okay. They had what was then called the Department of Historical Studies. Okay. And then there was the English Literature Department. I think I went English because maybe I thought it would make my like, parents feel better. I don't know. But, uh, or I was looking for like a general Well, hold on. Wait, undergrad. so like your parents feel better. So were they yeah. not supportive of this Egyptology? I think if I had, yeah, career? I think if I had immediately said I want to do history or Egyptology, like, like the alarm bells would have gone yeah. off in their head. Because, I mean, I came from a small rural mm -hmm. farm town in central Illinois. That's not um, what people were doing there. Oh, yeah. Like, I <laughs> definitely got lots of side-eye at my yeah. high school for my interests and what I was into. And um, now you live in the big, bad Almost city. 200 years of farmers is what I come from. 200 years you know, of farmers. A very, very close. Hardy, yeah. hardy folk. And moved to <laughs> Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah. That's weird. So by the time I got to Southern Illinois University Edwardsville, or SIUE, go Cougars, um, <laughs> I, uh, I was a first-generation university or I became mm -hmm. a first-generation university graduate in yeah. my family. So, yeah, I did the English thing at first because I thought, oh, my parents will see that as a very general mm -hmm. college-type degree, good, solid start with the minor in history. But those few history courses that I took... They pulled you in. They, yeah, they grabbed me. Yeah. Like, this I was, it. I was like, I, by the time I was a sophomore, yeah. I was like, we got to stop pretending, you know, mm -hmm. and I just, we I didn't even tell the parents, I just know. flipped it, you know, yeah. Just flipped it. It's now my major, you know, broke it to my parents. And they were a little bit nervous, I think, because I had changed course. Yeah. Amber doesn't typically change course, you know. Amber's a Virgo. So. Amber's, Amber's a Virgo. <laughs> Amber's such a Virgo. Amber's a Virgo. <laughs> Am Amber's a Virgo stellium, if you know what that means. But it's fine. <laughs> so so it, was a little, it was a little disconcerting yeah. for them. But, you know, and shout out to, you know, the history department at yeah. SAUE. Mm -hmm. Because, and a lot of the faculty that I knew are still there, um, it was a great department. And those first couple of courses that I took, you know, I was just like, yeah. I got to stop pretending. Like, yeah. this is where I should be. And so I graduated or, or uh, I became a history major and ultimately graduated with a degree in history and a minor in English. Hmm. Um, but, yes, about sophomore, junior year in like, college. Yeah, which in no. a way is kind of late now. 
It's when I figured it out. You think? Sophomore, junior year of college is when I figured it out. Yeah, back back then it was probably. I think a lot of people resisted because they think, oh, I Mm -hmm. can't do anything with this. Yes. Oh, I can't be an Egyptologist. It's like it's an interest of mine. Mm -hmm. Then I'll take like I'll minor it. I'll take some classes on the side. I'll do something real. Yeah. Quote unquote. And then it's. I tried sign language. I tried sign language for a year because I was like, oh no, this is going to be way more practical. And now I can, you know, we, we do hieroglyphs together. Yeah. So, you know, good luck yeah. with that. You can try to fight it. But, but you know, yeah. you know what part of it, you <laughs> know, eventually part of it, it has to be like, am I going to be happy and find, choose a career right, that yeah. I like enjoy yeah. or am I going to do something for well, money or But to, to your point, um, I think part of it was those history classes that I was taking as an undergraduate. Um, I saw a lot of female academics, you know, yeah. they had their mm-hmm. PhDs, they were working at a yeah, university. You, you know why, Amber, because they let them into the humanities, they just don't let them into engineering science. and science. Yeah, and well, that's another podcast. That is its but, own. Um, that's true, though. Yes. But yeah, no, um, obviously, you know. Yeah, it helps, representation helps to see people who look like you, Exactly. Right? And know, I think. situation and know that it's impossible. Yeah, 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 like seeing women who were, were there at a university mm-hmm. teaching, and you see that it's a real thing. You know, they're really Possible. there. It's really a job. They're making money. They're living there. And, um, and I love learning. You know, I love the university. I loved, you know, my undergraduate, you know, years. And so to do that forever sounds great, right, mm-hmm. as you both know, right? But um, once I got to junior, senior year, I obviously was taking mostly courses in mm-hmm. ancient history, everything that I, I could, everything that was offered, which at SIUE at the time was, were mostly courses offered by Dr. Allison Thomason. Who, shout out. Um, yeah, shout out. <laughs> um, who um, it was the ancient historian who was in the department, you know, coming by and way of focus? Brown and Seriology. Yes, oh, Seriology. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Actually, ancient collecting and. Yeah, ancient yeah. elite systems and display oh, thereof. Very and, cool. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and now textiles and that sort of thing that we know you're oh. into. Yeah. <laughs> I love her. Yes. Yeah, no, you should read her stuff. I know. Um, So, so yeah, so uh, Allison was there, and without her being there, I would not have gotten into UCLA. It's so important to have, like, a mentor early on. Well, and you guys talked about you have to have someone who sort of knows the game yes. mm-hmm. and knows what you need to do. I was completely, no one explains it to you. I was completely close. Especially you know, from a first, if you're the first, first generation. Like, no I didn't one tells even, you as an things. undergraduate, I didn't, mm-hmm. you know how many colleges I applied to? I applied to one. I applied to one too. Yeah, <laughs> so, I didn't. But that was because wait, I for the PhD. No, no for, for undergrad. Oh, oh, oh uh, I, just I didn't to even one. know enough. You were at Penn State. I went to Temple. Oh, you were yeah. at Temple. Jeff yeah. went to Penn State. Oh, yeah. So Sorry. I didn't even know Sorry. enough to think. Oh, you yeah. need to put Don't salt me like that. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Penn State people. Sorry. Uh, but I didn't know enough to know that you should like hedge your bets. You yeah. know, like you should uh-huh. put multiple applications in. Um, so I applied to one place, and thank goodness I I got in. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so Allison was able to sort of prep me and walk me through the application Six. process. Welcome back. We've had uh, some moments of hilarity <laughs> talking about yeah, sex. Yes. Apologize. And we're back. Amber the battery failed. It's, it's on. We it's redid the battery. <laughs> Sorry. We are back. Fully, we're back. Fully charged. You were, oh. oh. <laughs> Stop. No more, no more. Okay, no more sex talk. Dad, dad's watched this. Yeah, Listen dad's watched this. this. That would be bad. Okay. Hi, dad. You had a question or you were saying yes, something when I we got cut off. was talking about how you don't realize, or I didn't realize, that so many, you know, so many people in my program, colleagues that I viewed as being more successful than me, you know, it being an easier transition from undergrad to graduate school, had parents who yes. had went to 
humanities mm-hmm. PhDs or even had just to a university to a university yeah. that they were more they had more of a um, like from the knowledge, yeah. applying like for institutional a PhD. knowledge. How do yeah. you know how to apply for an MA PhD program? It's very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. How do you write the statement of purpose? What kinds of things are you supposed to put in oh, there? This is yeah. not easy. That was a huge part of it. When when I started putting together my applications, um, Allison was like, "Okay, here's what is going mm-hmm. to be called your statement of purpose, and this these are the aspects." of the program that you need to discuss this is what you have to say about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to be uh, sure to familiarize yourself with the faculty, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, the program itself, what the program yeah, is best at. Oh, research. I have good grades yeah. and I like Egypt. Exactly. Like, that's not, exactly. Oh, that I read those statements of purpose yeah. all the freaking time, yeah. let me and tell it's you. Because it, yeah. it means that person didn't have yeah, they didn't have the guidance yeah. to say, don't say that, that's a given, yeah. Yeah. right? You should automatically have good grades. You obviously yeah. like Egypt if you're applying. Yeah you have to take it to this other level and you don't maybe right. know unless you have someone guiding you or you can do the research and then this calls into you know having people from privileged backgrounds are automatically going to have mm-hmm. access to those things mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah so. so i had i had great faculty you know to advise me you know um allison being the chief one but also um uh, dr carol frick you know was mm-hmm. great there and um you know the others once they knew what my goals were, mm-hmm. were very supportive, and all of them really came in line with the kind of advice that you awesome. and uh, and Kara discussed in the demystifying academia episodes. So yeah, so I applied to several different schools. Where'd you um, apply? Where did I apply? Were you aiming Way for MA when? first or for PhD? The well, in my advisor, you yeah. know, Allison, you know, told me like if you're going to do this, you need to aim for the doctorate. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to aim for the PhD. And so that was the thing. And also, that is what you want to discuss in your statement of purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you want to say that this is your goal. You're going for I am interested PhD. in researching these kinds of things and making yes. this contribution yes. to the field. Yeah. And so um, I apply, let's see if I can remember, uh, Johns Hopkins, mm-hmm. Berkeley, Chicago. Um, the classics. UCLA. The, classic the classics. Yes. The classic programs. The, or at least at the time. Yeah. Um, and those are the ones that I can remember that I applied to, and as you both discussed, a few hundred dollars, you know, oh, yeah. each one, each application, yeah. Um, Very expensive. And, and the GREs so, too, back then. And I had to pay for the GREs, yeah. yes. Um, and so I just put them out there uh, into the world, and I got accepted to two, um, University of Chicago, and But they wanted you to pay to UCLA. play. Yes, Chicago ah, wanted me to pay say, to play. Wait, wait, Actually, but, UCLA yeah. wanted you to pay to play too, didn't they? Uh, well, we'll discuss that. But um, mm-hmm. but University of Chicago, there was also another caveat, which was I was accepted into uh, like their humanities yes, master's okay. program. Which is yeah. the master's that you did? No, no, I did. So I did CMES, the center. Marissa did the humanities. Marissa master's. and Danny mm-hmm. did yeah. that. Yeah. Which is only a one year. Yes. Well, it was. And there was one year and a two years maps and. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I can't remember options. what yeah. it was at the time that I applied, but the big thing was is that they wanted me to pay oh, yeah. yep. out of pocket, and at the time that was fifty-six thousand dollars, I think. Yep. Um, so that was, that was kind of a default no, although it's more expensive now, I'm sure. But yeah. anyway, yeah, but, but they don't ask people to do that as much now. But see, I was in Illinois though. And so it was still a temptation in the mm-hmm. sense that it would not be that far it has you know, from home. Also, once I got the UCLA acceptance letter, I was like, ah, Los Angeles. Yeah. You know, like I grew up in 
Neoga, Illinois, you know, like to go from, oh, well, even, even to go from Edwardsville, Illinois, where Southern Illinois University Edwardsville is, to she Los Angeles. Even, would have been. Yeah, I mean, the first. But you were like, hells yeah. <sighs> no. You no, were I mean, if I, honestly, honestly, too, I think if, uh, if I remember correctly, I think Allison thought that I was going to not go. Because to either Chicago or you. Well, Chicago, she was like, you better not go. Like that. That's a lot. They're not giving you any funding. Mm -hmm. Like, do mm -hmm. not go. Yeah, good for. And her. of course, that took me, or I took that opinion very seriously. Mm -hmm. um, but the UCLA acceptance uh, was great because it did have funding, that's with nice. the caveats that you mentioned, which is it was going to pay the um, state type of tuition because I was out of state, yes. so, so there was extra. Expense. They made you pay your non-resident tuition. But yes, you couldn't become a resident i could but i couldn't do that until i got out to la yeah, yeah got an apartment like they didn't i didn't know like how upstairs. much was the cost it's sixteen thousand now for the non-resident tuition 15 the figure 16. the figure that's in my head for that first year was like thirty thousand dollars but that was thirty thousand on top of okay. board. yeah yeah okay, that was on everything. that was on top of you because know, you didn't have a stipend and the no i believe i did have a certain a stipend i did have a little bit of a work study working in the nelk library mm -hmm. um but um not enough to not chicago. have to take out loans it was still cheaper than yeah. chicago it was still cheaper than chicago and it was still funding with the idea that i would then gain residency yeah. in and california and that's where you met me yes after an literally gut-riching decision to move to los angeles because i did not want to come to la yes, that's like you hard. can maybe appreciate this as an east coast person i didn't want to come here either. yeah exactly <laughs> i didn't want to come here either nobody wanted to come here. nobody wants to come to holly weird <laughs> or as my people yeah. call it the land of fruits and nuts to, I just, yeah to, i just, I just yeah. like the east coast so but yeah i i it was a, a difficult decision in the sense that it was located in a place that i didn't want to go but the pole was too great, yeah. you know? And, and now so we're all happy Californians. We come out to, to yeah, LA. it's like scary to go other places. Yeah, yes, that's true. Yes. Um, like, they don't wear masks out there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Or have rights. Yeah. But yeah, yeah so... Yeah, forced pregnancy and shit. So I do come to UCLA, um, and at the time, the Egyptologist I was to study under was Dr. Vilika Vendrick. Mm -hmm. Was she the only one? There was other. Loprino was. Um, Loprino at the time was not actually at UCLA, okay. but he was still affiliated okay. in one because way he was, or another. He was in Basel. He I was believe. moving okay. to Basel, okay. Switzerland. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Uh, but he was still very much associated with the program and actually taught a course cool. while I was there. And um, Daniel Poltz had already left. Yes. Yeah. Um, so uh, Vilica was really the you know go to person, mm -hmm. but lucky for me. I had, had a visiting scholar that oh, year. Really I had happy. a one year visiting professorship. Yes. And yeah. In 2002, 2003, right? Yes. Yeah. And so a uh, very young Amber and very young Kara encounter each other because Vilica was in the field yeah. that first quarter that I arrived yeah. in mm -hmm. LA. And I was teaching her hieroglyphs for the first time. And this was like one year after 9 11. So it was. Yeah. Yeah. Was it? I was in fourth. Was it? <laughs> yeah. It was 2002. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. None of, none of that. Let's not, not have any of that. So, I was a babe. <laughs> literally, yeah. So, but thankfully you were there. Yeah. Because you were able to get me on track right away with language study. Yeah. And I feel like being a recent graduate yourself, like you yeah, had more you of like the experience. Oh, of course, yes. Like you were like well, more, I feel like sometimes when you have like these very established professors, they like forget. 
Yes. Like the, yeah. like no, how hard was, it is to be in grad school and this stuff. This was my like first was very, job post PhD. So you, so I was very much unformed. You were on it. You were you were hungry. Like, yeah, you wanted I had to, to be. Like, I make, had to be. You know, good. You know, you and I was on the yeah. the list. I was on the short list for yeah. the job that year, which I did not get. Yeah, I was on that committee. Yeah. Oh wow, it was awful. Amber was like, "Yeah, she wasn't great." I mean, no, no, no. I was that's a, its own podcast, I, yeah, which we will never podcast. do. But yeah, yeah, we won't, yeah, we won't do that. Um, <laughs> that's for only a super elite, elite Patreon. <laughs> you have to pay a hundred dollars a month to hear that podcast episode and, and sign like a non-disclosure and sign, yeah. and sign non-disclosure Um But no, I mean, um, so you were there, luckily, and got me on track. You know, um, right away toward the the initial coursework. Right. Know, that, that I had to do. So you so, did so two would years. You say, oh, you go ahead. You go ahead. Would you say that Kara was very influential early on to kind of set you on a yeah, good path? Yeah, but it was it was complicated because as you guys kind of addressed at the beginning is that you're constantly dealing with both the academic but also the personal. Like mm -hmm. life, life was happening pretty quick when you, like I said, moved from Edwardsville, Illinois to Los Angeles, Boy. California by yourself. Yeah. That's at scary. age 22. Very scary. I remember my when first flight on an airplane okay. was. Aww. In April oh, of, the, the, of the year I got yeah. accepted, you know, um, I, remember I had never been on an airplane. Left, like, yeah. took me to Chicago, like, first time living by myself, and mm -hmm. I they left, and I just remember, like, sobbing, mm -hmm. and called my friends, and I almost called my mom, like, mm -hmm. as they were, like, driving, and I knew if I called that they would come back, because, like, that's my mom. Yeah. And I was like, I can't, because, like, yeah, you resist. I was like, I can't do it, because I'm, like, I yeah. need to just, like, and I talked to friends, and they were like, just, like, it will be weird for a couple of days, and then you'll like find your stride. And, and exactly it's not just what a couple of days. It wasn't a couple of days, but and then I had you know you make friends, and they're going through the same yes. thing, and yeah, yeah, you yeah. kind of you know have like camaraderie. Well, that together, was the thing at the but... time too. There weren't a lot of other graduate students around mm -hmm. for me. Um, it was pretty. At fun. least yeah. that were so especially that were at my newer. level, not that first year. Yeah. Um, but you know, speaking of that, you know, experience. Like there was a time. This was a, a few months in. Like we had known each other, you know, for a little bit, and I think you. Um, we're over at my place. We had, you know, dinner or something, or maybe we had gone someplace and then you all dropped me off at my apartment. Mm -hmm. And I got upstairs, like just to this, you know, dimly lit, you know, apartment all by myself, mm -hmm. you know, and like I'm not even like I was super upset, right? Um, just I lonely, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. And um, it was like at 10, 15 minutes after you guys, you know, dropped me off, like you called me. And you're like, hey, something was off. Like, are you okay? Aww. You know? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And then I hang up with you. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, it all comes out. Like, literally, that was my night of I'm in the fetal position, mm. you know, on the floor crying. But I got up the next day, you know? Yeah. You just let, you're like, okay, tonight's You let be it a out. Yeah, you let it out. I resisted the call home, yep. you know? And, you know, you just kind of work through it and, uh, and get past it. So, yeah, so lots happening here. Yeah. But you got me on track, you know, that first year. Um, for what would turn out to be um, a master's. And tell us why it was a master's and not a PhD. Right, because I did go in with the intention to come out with the PhD. Mm -hmm. um, so I had, it was around 2005, so a couple years, you know, and I was beginning to... And I was um, not at UCLA anymore. I was at a right. Stanford postdoc. You were only there for a year. Yeah. Right, and then, so after that, it was, they brought in... 2005 Jacob, or 2004? Uh, it so, was 2005 okay. when all of early 2005. this happened. Yeah, yeah early 2005. Um, but they had brought in Yako Dielemon, you know, as a philologist. 
um, to work alongside uh, Vilica. And I was at that point where I was ready to do exams yep. and start I was moving say, into like, what deciding what my dissertation. On and stuff like that. Yes, yeah. I was right at that phase, and we mm -hmm. were in discussions, okay. you know, about that and uh, and that kind of thing. And um, I was uh, brought in, you know, and basically, you know, Vilka just told me that the funding choices had been made and that they had decided to fund a. Uh, a student that they were bringing in for a full four years hmm. and that I would no longer have any funding. So this is that moment where yes. things happen that are not in your control, that you cannot curate, yeah. that you can't talk your way out of. This is just the way it is. Yes. And you have to pivot. pivot. Right. But let me say, let me say, and this is very important, I had gone in because of you know, Allison and the other mm -hmm. faculty at SIUE who had, had talked to me, it was, I had made the decision before even getting into graduate school. When the money was not there anymore, mm -hmm. I would be done. Because there was an expectation that you continued to pay for your PhD. Right, but yeah. so the expectation, as you say, became that from that point on I would pay. Yeah. Pay to play. Yeah, yeah. you could still continue, but that it just they yes. didn't have It was absolutely an option funding. to stay. And this but, is also just an issue of humanities programs in yes. general, right? They have very limited funding sources. Right. And, they, and it's a year-to-year -year kind of decision. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's so horrible because you're in a situation where you want desperately to do yeah. this thing and study this thing, and they're like, okay, you can do it, but you have to take out these loans. And to the university. It will follow you money. forever. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You're but not, because of that. thinking about you. Because, yeah. of the, because of that poll, you know, but mm -hmm. I, the, what I'm saying is the important part was is that I had previously made that decision. Mm -hmm. And I actually discussed it with Vilico when I first came in. I said, mm -hmm. you know, when, when, when there comes a point, if there comes a point, that I don't have any funding, I cannot continue. Yeah. Yeah. I have That's made this decision. I've already I'm taken out some significant loans just to begin for that first non-residential year. And so um, that is a, a, something that I would advise people on very strongly, is to make this decision before you are in that office, when someone tells you your funding is not there anymore, mm -hmm. um, because that it. helps you to carry you through, you know, because you've made the decision previously. And let me just say, though, we have discussed this already in the Demystifying Academia section, mm -hmm. that you guys went to grad school, your master's and your MA, PhD, like in this wild west of how can we get as much money off of the student as possible. Yeah. And students coming to us now. Universities being a business. Yes. Yeah. Students coming to us now. If we don't fund them, they're at least savvy enough now to say that I'm not going to come. Yeah, they know. But yeah. in this Wild West moment of everyone trying to commodify the shit out of everyone, you were marks. And we can't do that now, at yeah. least or at UCLA. There like, are oh, other this places. Is something but I have to do to yeah, get no, to no. this other point. Right. And now it's well, really there are it. still pay to play masters, aren't there? But they're oh, not yeah. as successful as they as they used to be. Yeah, well, and I think they themselves are looking to have offer, be able to offer some type of funding. It's yeah. Boring. Well, and this is a big part of what I would, if you want to call it like the alt-ac, yeah. you know, journey is you have Which this Which was imposed moment. upon you. In my case, it was imposed well, no, upon you. Had some, I mean, I mean, you yes, you're right. You could have stayed right. and taken out all these loans Absolutely. and stuff, right? You yeah. made Absolutely. the choice that it was for you. It and was at the time, it would have resulted in about $100,000 yeah, worth of And you'd still be loans. paying them off for forever. <laughs> yeah. Also, President Biden, you should cancel all student debt while we're at it. And please, Congress, at least, at the very least, make it so that interest doesn't accrue while you're a grad yes, student yes. taking out loans. Don't be making money off me. That is some bullshit right there. You shouldn't have to pay back your student loan debt until yeah. you're done with the school. I remember so. I had a conversation with my dad recently of like, I had some like extra money and I was like, should I use it to pay off some loans right now? Or should I just like put it in a fund to like get more money? Because I was like, if I pay it off, it seems like just like a drop in a yes. freaking bucket. Like, seems like a dude does like you no good. So yeah. worthless. 
and we looked into it and it was like it's actually better just to put it into a fund to make more money and then you know it's such yeah. a racket. It's, it's, it's such a racket. It's and the awful. fact that our government is in control of the whole fucking so, racket is awful. So, yes. yeah, so the, the big yeah. part, or a big part of that alt-ack um, sort of career is that moment where you have to make the choice. So... Because it was a choice. Maybe a personal question, so you can answer if you want to or not. <laughs> but, like, how did you feel? Obviously, like, were you, like, upset? Like, this is, like, your... You know, that was your... Yeah, you know, you, well, you I can tell decision. you. You're it like, was, for me, it's like, okay, I'm not going to take out the loans. I'm going to like yeah, step it back was, from this. But obviously, the you moment, had been yeah, the moment in that office was certainly a bit of an out of body experience yeah. because having made that decision already, I knew that this was it. This was the yeah. end. It was like a breakup, right? Not that I have yeah. much, you know. But um, but yeah, so it, you but have did that you moment. Did you even think about Alt Act being an option then? You were just like, okay. This it wasn't at that at that time. No, I don't even know if it was necessarily a term. You no, know, there was no term then. Yeah, but we um, hadn't fucked grad students. So it was completely <laughs> enough to have the term. It was survival. Day. It was just what do you what do you yeah. do next with what you've done? You know, so far. But and yeah. still maybe kind of tangentially stay related to your interest, right? Yeah. Well, and you know, if we're or should we keep it real with this one? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So out of body experience moment, you know, in the, in that moment in the office, and I remember I walked out of Bilika's office. I went down to the doorway to the staircase, and you know, descending, you know, it got worse yeah. and worse and worse. And you know, by the time I get to the end of the staircase, I'm outside. No one's around. You know, I'm like, you know, in bad bad shape. And who was my first phone call? Who's <laughs> <It was me. laughs> Kara? Kara. <laughs> and Kara's like at LACMA, right? She's at work. She gets this phone call. And here's a, a tearful had... Amber on the other end. Yeah. And Amber doesn't cry either. No, Amber doesn't Amber cry. Amber does not cry. <laughs> so Kara's like, oh my God. Yeah. Who's that? What happened? Yeah. yeah, like something bad happened. Yes, yes. And I happened to be in a place where opportunities could be made because mm -hmm. I had a Stanford postdoc and I was brought in by Nancy Thomas, who's uh, currently senior deputy director at LACMA, was then deputy director. Who also director, has a PhD in Egyptology. Who also yes. has a PhD in Egyptology from UCLA. And she had brought me in to be a co-curator to help deal with the extravaganza that was the reboot of King Tut in 2005. It's more common in the golden age of the pharaohs. Thank you, because I just called it the King Is Tut it, reboot. And was it, well, it ended up being my savior. Yes. So then I'm like, oh, we need help. We need help now. And I contacted Nancy because we we had so much to do. And the Egyptology very short, grapevine was activated. It, in a very short Tara amount of time. Nancy. And we needed it now because yeah. the show was going to open in what? Eight months? Six months? Sooner than that. Yeah. It was like that summer, I think, or at the end of mm. end of that summer, 2005. And so we brought her on board. And how, how soon well, after that did you have a position? What, what happened was, um, so I call you. And we, we have that, and Kara's like, I'm on it. <laughs> and this is just Kara in a nutshell. This is, like. yes, yes, yes. Like, problem solver, like, will yeah. make things happen when you need Someone them. is in trouble, I'm going to grab yeah. you by the scruff of the neck, and I'm going to drag you up here. Um, so, yeah, so you call Nancy. Mama Bear get me, mode. Yes, yeah. and I get an interview, which I never would have gotten cold calling or whatever. Nancy actually happened at the time. You know. Yep. To have an opening in her department, which at the time was art administration and collections, she needed someone to help her run that department. So that was an open position, and you were pushing me for that. Mm -hmm. And so Nancy, as a courtesy to you, right, is like, okay, you know, Kara vouches for this Amber person. And she brings me in for an interview. And remember, so I'm like 24, 25, right, very young. 
And so Nancy interviews me, and um, and I, I do well, you know, in the interview. But uh, and I had discussed this with Nancy, you know, later. I was just I was young. I was very young. Yeah. She was also worried that you would want to go back into yes. the academic. She didn't world. want to. Yeah, yeah, she didn't want to set my feet on a path that would tempt me to continue earning a paycheck. And because not this was an executive back. administrator. Yes. Position. Yeah. In in the deputy director's office at, at Los Angeles County Museum of Art. The person so, who got the job is lovely and still there. Oh yes, love Deborah. Deborah McManus. <laughs> yeah. Mwah. Um, yeah. Deborah and I got along like gangbusters. Yeah, she's great. You know, and she's Nancy great. too. One yeah. of the best bosses I've I've ever worked for. Um, but so she said, I'm not going to hire you for this, but we have Tuna Common in the Golden Age of the Pharaohs coming and I can offer you, it was supposed to be a three month gig, mm. right? So I come on, you know, Tut was so crazy. He's so crazy. Interviews, celebrity tours, school group tours, mm. um, uh, text panels, labels, the whole nine yards. You got they Baywatch, needed... I got Leonardo DiCaprio. No, 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 we did that together. We did Leonardo DiCaprio. We did Leo oh. and Giselle Bündchen together. together. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So that was quite the tour. Um, yeah, I got to go home that night and tell Eric, he's like, guess who kissed me tonight? <laughs> <laughs> it we was know. not Leo. I that's all I gotta say. Giselle, honestly, she, that's that's who I got. <laughs> but and we did we did Jodie Foster. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And her mom. I did the Dixie Chicks. Were you there for the Dixie no, Chicks? No, I, I didn't get the Dixie Fine. Chicks. I got and Pamela um, Anderson. Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, Pierce oh, Brosnan. Wow, yeah. you guys got all the. It was it was crazy. it was crazy. Yeah. It was it was also like you know museum careers like 101. I got to do all sorts of good and great I got Craig stuff. Ferguson yeah which Craig then set Ferguson. me on the path to be on Craig Ferguson's yes. show eight times yeah and I got to be backstage for that when I remember being with you in the yeah. green room and you're like trying to fit into your desk but anyway <laughs> um but uh, uh, I was so skinny then but yeah so Craig. she initially brought me on for three months to help with the tut you know exhibition because mm -hmm. you guys were so desperate but because it got extended mm -hmm. they kept me on mm -hmm. and That's also good. because I mean not job. to do my whole yeah, own honestly, horse yeah like I mean you liked me mess it up. Yeah. I did a good job and she was like okay so you can help us straighten out the Egyptian collection like get collections online going a little bit more museum mm -hmm. and let me stop management. you here because this is what Altac is about mm -hmm. you are you are prepared to do research you're prepared to write a PhD mm -hmm. but if you find yourself in circumstances where you cannot do those things you have to do something mm -hmm. else instead you capitalize you have to prove yourself yes and once you prove yourself and people see what you're able to do yeah. then they'll be like oh okay I can pull you in for yeah. this and I can pull you yes. in for that but it's very getting often on the, the job foot. yeah getting your foot in the door and then doing yeah. something on the job training yeah, no, you to figure opened it the out. door for sure yeah. but that was no guarantee yeah you know mm -hmm. that anything was going to happen after that certainly nothing was going to happen you know after the three months yeah. you know that she said but I had three months to sort of prove myself and it ended up being um, three years mm -hmm. um, oh. so I left and she's still there yeah Kara right? Kara yeah. leaves the postdoc and then I'm still at LACMA I work there for further three years in art administrations and collections for Nancy Thomas cool. and with Deborah. Um, and then there comes a point, you know, because sort of Nancy, as you say, with the humanities, it's like year to year. So, and it's a county museum, mm -hmm. right? So it's, it's public funding. And so there comes a point where Nancy's like, look, you know, I'm running out of reasons to try to keep you. She's mm -hmm. like, I want to keep you, you know, but um, I'm technically like a two person department, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and I've had you for a few years now and they're going to start to kind of bulk at this funding. Yeah. So that was kind of my heads up. And so what I did, and this is if you're looking to, as you say, sort of pursue art alt act, 
So it's like, okay, what's the And next now you had a CV be? with fucking lines on it. I got, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, stuff there. And that's something else. So I had a CV, like everything I had done pretty yep. much been, you know, academic. So I had sort of a CV resume hybrid, you yep. know, at that point. And mm-hmm. that's something also that you need to look at yeah. is yeah. do you convert a CV to a more resume type mm-hmm. document? which I kind of did, I kind of split the difference, but I kept it mostly academic because that was the bulk of my experience mm-hmm. up until that point. And what I did was, cause I'm in the museum, right? So I'm meeting curators, I'm meeting administrators, director of the museum. And so the ones that I felt that I knew pretty well that I was friendly with, I just started handing out my CV and I yeah. just said, look, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking for my next move, you know, funding issues, and they completely understand that. Mm-hmm. And so I just handed it out, and I just told them, I said, look, if you encounter anybody who you think might be able Happy to use night. me in any way, yeah. yeah, hand it out to them. And so that happened, and somehow, some way, my um, uh, CV slash resume made it uh, to the Getty, to uh, Reiner Mac. What year? Uh, 2007 thereabouts. Which is funny because guess where I was working at that time? What coincidence? Stanford's Getty. Yeah. Oh, you were at the Getty. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I, Karen and I have a history, right? So UCLA, <laughs> LACMA, the yeah. Getty, yeah. and then thereafter. But um, yeah, because I but I was mostly on the Hill, and you were going to be out mostly. I, I was going to be in the Bill. But yeah, I was so, back and forth, back and yeah, forth. So yeah. So Reiner Mack, um, uh, at the time he ran uh, was the manager of education out at the Getty mm-hmm. Villa. And he, I guess essentially you could say he recruited me, like I got a call at LACMA one day and he, uh, it was a job that I was already aware of, but I hadn't yet applied because it was more of a teaching position. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, do I really want to do something that's the bulk of it is teaching? Because I had done a lot of that, you know, at UCLA, Museum of Education, you know, at LACMA. And Reiner calls me and he's like, look, we don't often see someone with your background who's interested in museums. And, um, you know, those of you who don't know, the Getty Villa is really focused on the ancient Mediterranean, specifically Greece, Rome, uh, Etruria, a yeah. little bit of Egypt, mm-hmm. um, but the, most of it was Greece classical, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I had enough of an ancient Mediterranean type background that he was very interested in me and wanted to uh, do an interview. Or actually, he, the initial phone call was just apply, like, yeah. please apply. And so the job that I didn't apply for, you know, having seen it on the internet, I applied after, you know, he asked me to, and uh, they called me, you know, for uh, an interview. And um, it was a pretty intense job interview process. At the time, the Getty Education, the Getty Museum Education Department was one of the best, if not the best, museum education departments because in the country. Because everyone had like MAs and PhDs. Yes, and, like very, and yeah. they did not just simply work with volunteers. They hired people, as you say, with degrees, with backgrounds in, with backgrounds yeah. in this. So and had a considerable highly busing, professionalized. considerable yes. busing program, bringing all these kids in from yes. different schools. Yes. And yeah. So they brought me in for what turned out to be like a six to eight hour interview. What? Like I met with everybody in the department. It was very similar to, to like a, 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 a job a, talk. Yes. Yeah. And I, it did include a job talk. So I oh. met with every single person in the department. That's intense. Um, including the other teachers. It's like a short Like other, sort of other educators. Yeah. And then I did a job talk in the galleries. They had told me beforehand Damn. what object I was going to be discussing. And then I had to get up in front of the education department. So not a general audience, but these specialists and give a talk um, on the um, uh, mosaic, you know, in the mm-hmm. in the galleries. Um, and I think they gave me 10, 15 minutes, you know, something Short like that. Yeah. And so I was, I was 
wiped by the time that mm -hmm. that day was done because yeah. it was six to six to eight hours plus I was super stressed because yeah, I need to find a job you know <laughs> because LACMA the LACMA gig is going to be ending but you, you still know. were at LACMA I was still at LACMA and having gone through the interview process at the villa like I liked everyone you know yeah. like um it seemed these this seemed like a great good fit for you yeah but then very, this is an important yeah. point so let me interrupt really fast to say that if you want to move into Altac to try to get into a new different position without a, a stable basis from another job is really, really hard because people can smell fear and desperation. So that Amber looked for a job when she knew she was going to lose the LACMA job, and that you you knew that the best offense is a good defense and you went out and tried yeah. to find something before yeah. preemptively is super smart. So she wasn't like, you know, not able to pay her rent. Literally, she was to take anything. <laughs> <laughs> not willing to take anything. She was able to create a path, create a runway for what she wanted. Yeah, to do. and so I would important. say even when it came to that Getty Villa job, again, because it was primarily a teaching position, I kind of didn't know if I really wanted it. Mm. Um, because mm. I'm an introvert, and yeah. it takes a lot out of me to get up in front of people. And this was a job Great. in which I would be... Hello, people. Um, a job in which I would be in front of complete strangers like not six times a day, four to six times a day for like an hour at a time. Um, and you're like, real, you're the front line, like you are out there you know, yes. with the public. It yeah. is exhausting. And I was aware of that having done it like at yes. Tut, but here was the thing. Um, so when I was at LACMA and I was doing the school tours through Tut, which was where, how this started, because I also worked in museum education at LACMA. Mm -hmm. I did administration, museum education. Our offices um, were in education, or my office was yeah, in education. Yeah, I was. And that's different than tours. Yeah. Edu museum education. Yeah, it's a, not like a docent kind of yeah. tour. It's it's like a lecture in the galleries. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so when I was doing that for Tut, you know, education kind of wanted to check me out and make sure I think that, I, I think they wanted to make sure I wasn't out there like being horrible like yeah. in the galleries like what are you awful, telling people awful yeah. lecturer yeah are you telling them anything crazy and I remember um the vice president of education was tailing one of my tours and I had like a, a very young group of you know kids or whatever and I just got started I was introducing them to the the tut um exhibition and um I heard like over my shoulder at the distance like ah oh, she's an actual <laughs> so I knew I was good at it which Who's was the, the kicker Toby Toby oh, Tannenbaum. Yeah. So I think sometimes people who are more introverted sometimes end up being really good in yeah. Well, and you love the subject. That's you the comment it. that I always got on Or because all you're my, like acting. Yeah. It's because it's not natural that you have to then go right. into this other type of persona. Right, right. That you embody. No, it was like, for it was like moment, you but get it's to be taxing. yourself. Yeah. Yes, but you get you get to be yeah. yourself. You get to show your love and share it, you know, with. Amber and I are very similar in this mm. regard. Though people think that I'm all super extroverted, I'm kind of, if you take the test, I'm like right on the needle between the two. But if we are of service to others, mm -hmm. then the public speaking is possible. Mm -hmm. If we are not of service, then you can just shut it down. Yeah. yeah. And there is a sort of part of me that, that really liked it. You know, like yeah. you get a certain high off of being oh, yeah. able to share that with Teaching. people. Teaching. Yes. Like it's the same, yeah. you know, like, like yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I didn't know if I really wanted the Getty Villa position or not, but I cared enough to really, really nail the interview. Give and, shot, it, yeah. and it went well. And uh, eventually, yeah, they offered me the position, and I found out later, like, I was up against some pretty serious, you know, candidates from, like, Harvard oh. and, you know, um, like, no... With PhDs or MAs or what? I do not know. Okay. I do not know. I never, I never found out um, that much. I just know that um, 
they felt I was a good fit, like yeah. both uh, personality-wise and, and background-wise. Let me interrupt again to say that we are not giving you step A to step B to right. step C because there is no museum education yeah. like this anymore. Yes. Pretty much anywhere. We'll get into that, right? Because the late <laughs> capitalism has destroyed it all, yeah. and so it doesn't exist. But the point is, is that when something happens or you feel like you're in a situation that's insecure or when somebody just takes away your funding or whatever it is, there are ways to zig and zag and always reach out to your community, to the people whom you know, hand out your resumes and, and let people know too, the situation right? you're in. Yeah, so. yeah wherever like, you are, get to, get to know yeah. people. Yeah. You know, um, I went at LACMA, you know, I was, um, you know, making friends with the curators, mm -hmm. you know, talking, it was easy for me to do in the sense that I was in the deputy director's office. And yeah. so the curators had to come to me in some mm -hmm. cases for help. And so, you, just got to know you know, naturally. yeah, yeah. They're like, Hey, Amber was really helpful. And you know, she, when I need something done, she can get it done. Um, and so, yeah, you need to just always be networking, you know, in uh, one way or another, but in a natural way, not like not in a mercenary kind of way. Force, yeah. Right. So, um, so at the Getty Villa, I loved my time. Mm -hmm. You know, I was an educator, a museum educator there, and uh, did all kinds of programs. Great experience. Like the Getty Villa with a full education department. You know, the way it was, yeah. it was, it was beautiful. Yeah. You know, and it, I'm not saying it was a position I would want to would have wanted to stay in for my entire career, but it was brilliant. You know, yeah. to mm -hmm. to be at the Getty, to be among people of like mind. You know, dedicated to. Um, a purpose you really believe in, yeah. you know, educating the public and helping to facilitate their access to an ancient, you know, mm -hmm. uh, art collection. Uh, and you had the new exhibitions, short-term touring yes. exhibitions. Nothing was ever the same because that I was helps. always learning something yeah. new about, you know, the various special exhibitions coming in. And as an educator, that was literally my job, you know, mm -hmm. to get in there and get to know these um, exhibitions. It was in a way, uh, you know, a continued learning experience, yeah. yep. you know, mm -hmm. loved my uh, colleagues, you know, there. I'm still, you know, in contact, you mm -hmm. know, with many of them, made great friends. Um, and then, you know, as you say, um, around uh, 2012, um, the Getty Museum as a whole, J. Paul Getty Museum, brought in a new director, uh, Jim Cuno. And frankly, like uh, he had been known, I think he was at the Art Institute of Chicago mm -hmm. previously, and he was known for cutting funding essentially to the education department and it was a concern you know whenever he came to the Getty that that would happen however I don't think it was anticipated the degree to which they were going to but Amber they the just funding. bought a painting for 53 million dollars of a man looking out a window and it's beautiful so I don't understand why you're so like upset that, that yeah, the yeah. education department was asked that you could buy such paintings yeah. well but I I should specify in that so um, we had a, a full decent, you know, education department of specialists, you know, wow. at the Getty Villa prior uh, to 2012. And um, when they made these funding decisions, they, I mean, the only word to describe it is eviscerate. <laughs> and truly, I can't think of anything yeah, to describe gone. a patriarchal system of hoarding resources for the 2% mm -hmm. than this. Because what did your program do but teach to inner city kids, yes. bust in, brought in to learn kids about art? Kids who lived in LA County who'd never even seen the beach before. Oh, and the bus is bringing them to the villa and they get to see the beach and then they come to and their space. And they're not getting, you know, I mean, absolutely no insult to museum volunteers because uh, they are No, wonderful. this is not about that. But no. to also bring those kids in and they're talking to specialists, someone, yes, expert, that, who... Yeah 
and just like us, you know, discovering, you know, and even you discovering that this can be a career to expose them to the idea that someone can do this for a living, you know, um, to let them know that there are and such careers it, in the world. It, it reinforces the value of education because it's yeah. not saying, oh, you can just be a random anybody and give these yeah. museum tours. Why is education and it's not something that is impossible to attain? And yeah. making education volunteer, unpaid, means that it is valueless. Well, and it's it also primarily nothing. a female occupation. It yeah. is a female occupation of women who are supported yeah. by men who have nothing else to do with their time but volunteer and can do so. It is it is making yes. it valueless, but it's, and it's but some it's, bullshit. And, and even just humanities degrees in general, they're saying, oh, you don't need those to do this job. Yeah. And they... they but you do. So, but, you do. but you do. But let me make this a little bit more complicated, mm -hmm. because... They outright cut, you know, some positions, and they offered, um, you know, severance packages and uh, and that sort of thing. And um, I, however, just similarly to the UCLA situation, I was technically left with something of a choice mm -hmm. because um, I got my severance package. You were forced package. into a choice. I was yeah. forced into another yeah. choice. I was forced to make another decision. So I which, got my which we all are yeah. in this yeah. world where everything education is changing. The the health situation is changing. Whether or not you yes, have a baby and how you have a baby yes. is changing. And so all of these things are forced upon us, yeah. which is, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Between, you know, LACMA and the Getty, I had gotten married. You know, so life is happening, yes. I get my little blue folder with all my severance paperwork, and um, I discuss with my partner, you know, Eric. And, uh, you know, we decide Eric that, Wells of, of podcast fame. Of Eric's Guide to Ancient Egypt. Yes. He will be on at some point. At some point, yes. We'll, we'll have so him on as a guest. We'll see him you too. will have him on as a guest. I will go back to my little chair in the corner. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I discuss, you know, um, with Eric sort of what this option is because I turned in my paperwork and Toby, who I had known from LACMA, right, and loved Toby. You know, we got along great. I was happy when they brought her to the Getty, mm -hmm. you know, on mm -hmm. to run the education department. Um, so I turned in that paperwork saying that I, I would take the severance package, you know, yeah. I would leave. But she called me and said that, you know, actually we were thinking you would be one of the educators that we, you know, kept, kept yeah, mm. at the villa. Mm. You know, here's your dilemma. Like, because, you, I mean, you know this, like being connected with the Getty, like the Getty is an awesome place to work, yep. but it is known as the golden handcuffs for a reason, you know, because you get to have this connection to say, likely your academic background, mm -hmm. you have a job with benefits, a gorgeous place to work yep. in. It's I mean, beautiful. The Getty Villa is one of my it's favorite places. Best, best offices I've ever had. Yeah. Yes. No, bar none, you know, and so it's extremely tempting mm -hmm. um, to stay. Um, but as you say, life happens. And just at the time, I felt also, one, life was going to happen my partner and I, we wanted to have another baby, but also um, the changes that had been made to the education department made me not feel great yeah, you're like, about I what it would be like to stay. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Having known it and the quality that Before. they could achieve. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think it, it ruined me for the idea of staying and seeing it become a shell of itself. Yeah. I mean, even now it's hard to see just from the outside and I've been gone almost 10 years now. Um, so that was just too much. It was a bit of a gut choice and yeah, it was taking a risk, but I decided to yeah. jump ship yeah. and just move on life wise, you know, to 
um, having number two. Yeah. And so jump ship uh, from the Getty in 2012. And half by choice, half not by choice. He's a stay-at-home mom But now looking I back, do you kind of appreciate that the get because like say if they didn't cut the education department and that it's do you would you have still been there? Or do you think you eventually would have been like a I eventually kind of I wouldn't I would want have wanted another decision and yeah. because of the Great Recession, the upward flow that had existed at the Getty where you would come in mm -hmm. and then you would move up into different positions had completely been frozen. There was no promotion during the time in which I was there. So you didn't see it as like a long term. Yeah, so career. because that upward flow had stopped the position that I was in, I would not have wanted to remain yeah. in because I would have wanted to go to that next level or move on maybe to another institution, mm -hmm. you know, at the What next year level. was this? 2012 is when so, I left yeah. the, the villa. Okay. And so um, then, as you say, you know, it was uh, life, you know, and so I just moved on to looking at, you know, having number two, since I already had one child uh, while I was there, you know, at the villa. And for a time, yeah, it was pregnancy and that sort of thing. But it wasn't that long. Um, it was a matter of months. Uh, I think I left the villa in September of 2012, and I think it was by November I got a call from Claire Cunney, who founded Art Muse Los Angeles, who's the company you mentioned you mm -hmm. know earlier that runs these or that began as running small group tours in various art institutions and museums um, around Los Angeles. Now Claire, here's the important thing: it goes back to the networking thing. She had worked in the education department um, in management uh, at the Getty. She was at the center while I was mm -hmm. at the villa, um, but knew me, you know, from working, you know, it's at the you villa. Know. It's always whom you know. During my time at the villa, we never necessarily had that much face-to-face -face time, mm -hmm. you know, together. But mm -hmm. we had enough familiarity with each other that when she was founding Art Muse LA, you know, she thought to call me. Right person, right place, right, right. age. Right, exactly. A little so bit you, of that entered, you entered the gig economy. I did because it, it was. I technically it was like a startup, right? It's on. It's on point for and the way our world is going. So yeah, so it works for me. So I became a founding member of Art Muse Los Angeles, which was great at the time because what I needed was flexibility. flexibility now, kids the, and, yeah, yeah, the caveat is though no benefits. Yeah, and I'm going to jump in in a second, but go on. No go benefits, on. and it because wasn't what, a living wage. Like okay. at that point, um, they. Gig economy where, work usually isn't. It's you do multiple adjuncting. Well, She's but also this is where this mm -hmm. is where you know Eric is finishing you know his PhD mm -hmm. and he really takes the reins and you know he enables me you know to be able to mm -hmm. join that gig economy to be flexible to mm -hmm. give us a little bit of extra income, mm -hmm. but allow the flexibility for our life. One of our because life he's full time employed at UCLA. Kids. He was, yeah, he was finishing up his uh, PhD at UCLA, and then he went into the academic, you know, counseling mm -hmm. uh, role that um, he started out in um, directly post post PhD. Right. So let me just jump in and Which say, is also all that. It, it is, is all that. So yeah. Eric Wells can come in and talk all that yeah. as well. He and Amber are both brilliant at it. But the the thing that I that disturbs me, and this is an American problem, and no one is at fault except the entire human species as a system in the United States, which is that because you couldn't afford to put your kids into daycare, daycare full-time daycare, full-time daycare, and what that means, and what the system of full-time day full-time daycare entails, and how you feel about it. You then are compelled to take out yourself out of the workforce, yes. take yourself out of the retirement savings force, take yourself out of the benefits mm -hmm. pool 
And when you do that, you, you then pull yourself back four, five, six years behind. And this is a typical feminine problem with academia and Altac and the job force or non-academic job force, right? Where you're like, I'm going to have a kid. I'm going to stay home with my kid for a certain number of years. Who and then it when, falls on. It's the And it falls on you. But then you are all behind. You become vulnerable. You become dependent. And then and like, what were you doing? Like on your CV, you have a gap of... And coming back and into the like, workforce. What were you doing in those four to five years? Yeah. So like, this wow. is, the, I hope this is the point of the story where everyone's going, fuck, no, you didn't do that. You just left the workforce to have the kid because that's the most, to me, this is the most vulnerable part of the story. Well, that ended on a cliffhanger. Stay tuned for part two, dropping in two weeks to hear the rest of Amber's story. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed and stay frosty. Thank you to our listeners for your support and for subscribing wherever you listen. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a five-star review and help raise our profile and let others know about it. Send your questions related to the show and topic suggestions for future episodes to karakuni at gmail.com. You can find the video version of the show on my YouTube page and full show notes will be posted in the podcast section of my website, karakuni.squarespace.com. And for that, thank you, Amber Myers-Wells. There you'll also find info on my books, upcoming lectures, and you can subscribe to my newsletter. You can find me on Facebook at Karakuni Egyptologist and on Twitter and Instagram at Karakuni. See you next time on Afterlives with Karakuni. <laughs>